freaking bored because you've got all the lights off in the room creating a mood welcome back to the project gen x podcast i am one of your hosts alan smith along with i'm big blind dave because alan's turned off all the lights there are candles there is a candle and it's buried down in the pumpkin bowl where you can't even see the flame does that make you feel better thank you okay i'd like to be able to see what i'm doing thank you anyway dave's no fun I am fun. Thank you very much. Uh, we are in the middle of Oktoberfest. We hope that you enjoyed the uh, previous episodes, especially Dave's favorite about uh, Friday the 13th. Um, yeah. It's very it's very rare that we get a Friday the 13th in October. Uh, so we get to double down and, and do some cool stuff. Yeah. So uh, this episode... What are we talking about anyway? Which one are we going to do? I don't know. You didn't. You, you just. Well, hit you the know, button. you already have that pulled up. So we'll just talk. We're going to talk about. Well, the, I've got the other thing pulled up right now. Yeah, go, go ahead. <laughs> Out of context, this sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about um, a band that I really loved back in the '90s, and I know Dave did as well. We're going to talk about the band White Zombie. Yep. And we might even talk about some of the, the post-zombie stuff as well, because it's it's at least worth mentioning. Um, yeah, that's uh, Rob Zombie, uh, Shawnee Assault. The, the, the lineup that we most know is Jay Younger on guitar, yeah. and then um, John Tempesta on yeah. drums. So, you know, and the thing is, is they had multiple guitar players and, and drummers yeah. prior. I mean, even on their, what we know as the... The their first breakthrough album of Los Exorcisto Devil Music Volume 1, their drummer yes. was, uh, it was a different drummer at that point. Hold on, let me see if I can't find the timeline. Yeah, I there know. Is a there is a timeline, but we do know that the band White Zombie was formed in 1985 in New York City. New York City. <laughs> Why that always, that pace, pace picante you every time oh, it's New York City, isn't it? Stuck in my head. I know. New York City. And, um, it, it, now, now I want chips and salsa. <laughs> we just ate. What, what are you doing? <laughs> You're off the rails. We're not even two minutes into this. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, White Zombie. There, there are. You can go on YouTube or Spotify or different places, and you can hear their very early stuff. What we know is White Zombie was very different in the beginning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Well, it, it started out with just Rob Zombie and his then-girlfriend. Yeah, Sean Isselt. Sean Isselt. And that was the band. That was the band, and they kind of brought in a few other people, you know, to, to play this and that. But they were very much a punk, noise, rock, 
something. They're, they're, it did not resemble anything of what we came to know as White Zombie. And, uh, and for those of you who don't know, you know the, the, the name White Zombie came from a Bela Lugosi movie from the 1930s. Is that right? I believe it's, yes. uh, it's called The White Zombie. Yeah. And um, it, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. It's pretty good. It's, it's what you think it is about voodoo zombies. And so you know, with them being, you know, Rob Zombie was a, uh, was he a film student or he was a design or he was he an was art at, student? He was at a school of design. Yeah, he was, I think he was an art student. Because that's the thing. If you go and you look at, uh, especially on Los Exorcisto, Devil Music Volume 1, all that that artwork that's inside the the CD cover or cassette cover, whichever one you had back in the day, that's all his artwork. That's the stuff that he yeah. worked on. He has a very distinct style. It's very horror-oriented. It's very cartoony, kind of along the line of some of the Ratfink stuff, you know, from the 1960s. And uh, I always I always liked his artwork. I wish he had done more of it. Ivan DePrune was the drummer on La Sex or Sisto. Thank yeah, you. Yes. Yeah, I can't say that. <laughs> the Breakthrough Album. The Breakthrough Album, yeah. yeah. Um, um, John Tempesta didn't join until, join until 94. Right, before they recorded um, Astro Astro Cube 2000. Yeah. So, but that kind of became the band that people know. Know, yeah. And then, of course, Tempesta stayed with him for a couple of solo albums after that. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, he went on to do some other stuff. I think I think basically him, um, White Zombie and Fear Factory basically traded. It wasn't Fear Factory; it was Exodus. Is that what it was? It was. Just Tempesta was playing for Exodus at yeah. the time, and then he came over and they then traded drummers. Eventually, because uh, Ivan, Ivan wound up going and playing for Exodus. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was kind of one of those those things. So yeah, they they put out several EPs. Uh, it was uh, I think Dave, do you have that pulled up? Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of their the list of EPs, I think I have it here. Hold on, hold on. No, hold I've on. got it. I've got it right here. So in '85, you've got Gods on Voodoo Moon. In '86, you had Pig Heaven. Yes. No. In '86, you had Psycho Head Blowout. Which in, again, a very white zombie name of something. Yeah. <laughs> and you would not recognize Rob Zombie on any of these albums. No, at he had all. not. Rob Zombie has as long as. He's been for the last almost 30 years, yeah. well, the last 30 years, because Los um, Exorcisto came out in 92, the end of 92, or the beginning of 92, actually. Yeah. It was in March. He's had a very distinct style in the way that he sings. Right. And if you go back prior to uh, the Thunder, God of Thunder EP, yeah. it sound, he's, he's not, he hasn't developed it yet. No, and, and it's the, actually the God of Thunder EP in 89, where they change guitar players again, and mm-hmm. it changes the sound, and Rob Zombie finds his... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow! And all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That what, you, what you think of as, as Rob, Zombie. Rob Zombie. It's already developing there. So, And then you get two full-length albums. I think this was on their independent... Uh, with Soul Crusher in 87 and Make Them Die Slowly in yes. 89. Yes, yes. And then they signed to Geffen, and in 92 is when you get Devil Music Volume 1. Right, and that, most people don't realize that, you know, that album, again, that album came out in, I think it was in March, if I'm not mistaken, of 92 or somewhere. It was in the spring of 92. Yeah. It did not catch traction until the fall of 93. And that was because of Beavis and Butthead. Yep. They played the the video for Thunder Kiss well, 65. They 
they actually had three videos that MTV were, was playing. And well, it was, it was the, the first the first single they released was "Welcome to Planet Motherfucker." Yeah, um, and of course MTV was playing to they, "Welcome to Planet MF," yeah. MF or you know whatever. But it's that was their first single they released, and it's pretty much just a concert video yeah. in a lot of ways. I mean, it's them playing on stage. It's shot in black and white. It's very early '90s stuff. It was when they did the video for Thunder Kiss 65 that, yeah. again, Mike Judge saw it, and it became it got on an episode of Beavis and Butthead of them yeah. watching it, and they're just like, these guys are awesome, this is your... And it took off after yeah. that, because Beavis and Butthead were at their their the pinnacle right there. Yeah. like They were on the rise, and they brought several bands up with them. Yeah. That. And, and then that's also... Black Sunshine. Black Sunshine came out after. That was the next single. Yeah. Um, and I think that was actually the first video that Rob Zombie directed, wasn't it? I don't remember off the top of my head. I believe it. I believe that Black and Sunshine I, was the first one he directed. And I could look it up, but I don't feel like <laughs> it could be because yeah. it's been a long week, and I'm frankly just feeling lazy. Yeah, do some work, huh? But I can tell you here real quick. Yeah, because ah, I I actually have it pulled up here. I, I thought you um, might. It doesn't say. Oh, music video black Anyway, he he starts directing. Yeah, actually, it doesn't say anything about him directing that one. Maybe starts, maybe it was. I know that especially by the time they got to uh, or to um, Astro Creep two thousand, he was directing their videos. Yeah, Mikey, because and he again, was starting to get into making his own. And he was talking about you know making video or making movies and stuff. But I mean, you go and watch. Um, Electric Head Part One, yeah, and um, um, more human than human. The, the, the stuff yeah. that was released off of of, of Astro Creep Two Thousand, and those were all directed by Rob Zombie. So, yeah. And then he said, "Hey, I'm gonna get in the movies, and we'll uh, we'll talk about that one." Well, we get no, there. he he broke up White Zombie to go solo. No. Well, we'll get there. Okay, so Thunder Kiss Sixty Five, you know, becomes this huge hit for them. They were touring. They had toured with all kinds of people. I remember back in 92, after, I guess, Pantera came through town. And this was before they were really huge. Yeah. But uh, Vulgar Display of Power had come out. And it was already like, all right, I like these guys. And they came to town. And the opening act was some band I'd never heard of before named White Zombie. Yeah. And it was, again, it was another year before White Zombie became a thing you know and everybody's like hey you know those guys toured together <laughs> and it's like oh yeah. wow no you know but they did they toured for two and a half years on that album and it was the album was out for over a year before it took it, off before it broke yeah and of course once it did it was it was gone yep. you know um i'm gonna put a link to this because i found it just my youtube feed Every once in a while, mm-hmm. because you know, I, I wind up going down these rabbit holes of stuff. Well, I actually more like, like black holes. Yeah, will like feed me something that I was like, oh, you your algorithm is actually doing a good job here of, of giving me something I want I want yeah. to see. And it's been several months ago, and I had uh, I read Kennedy's book several years ago when it came out her her autobiography, and I remembered her talking about this. MTV did a promotion as they used to do in the 90s where it was kind of um 
it was like MTV in your house or something like that. And basically one contest winner, they literally like came and they broadcast from their, from this guy's backyard for like, you know, and they, and like, and like they, they all week, all weekend they were doing that stuff. Well, one of the, the, the things was that white zombie was going to play in the backyard. Okay. So all of this is on YouTube. You can see the, the uncut, like it's the uncensored, you know, kind of stuff for whatever reason. And, it's fairly well known that Rob Zombie can be kind of cantankerous. He's always been that way. Yeah. He got it in a bee in his bonnet about the grind dancers for some reason. And he's like on stage and they're getting ready to play Thunder Kiss 65. And he was like, I was flipping through MTV the other day and I saw the, he said, I saw the corniest shit I've ever seen that uh, on the grind, they were, they were dancing to this song. And so he calls the, the grind dancers up on stage to dance while, and he's just like making fun of them the entire time. It's just yeah. like, what in the world, dude? Like seriously, you know, it's just, <laughs> but the whole concert's on there. Like the, all they do like five yeah. or six songs or whatever. It's like a half hour long deal. Uh, but it's just, yeah, that and that was one of the things that Kennedy talked because she was the host of the whole thing, and she was just like, for whatever reason, he got it in his head that he had to go after the grind dancers, and yeah. just like and multiple times throughout the show, he's like making fun of them and stuff, and it's just like, what in the world? <laughs> and you can kind of see the other the rest of the band are kind of like, would you please just shut up? Would you please just shut up? Yeah. <laughs> I remember, I think it was in '93. MTV did a Halloween bash or something. It was either 93 or 94. And they had White Zombie play, like live in studio type thing, you know. And uh, they were also, I remember they were on the Jon Stewart show when he was, remember the Jon Stewart show started on MTV. Yeah. And I remember they played there. And, and of course, they would show up well, other places. Conan. Conan. They, they were on David Letterman. Yeah. You know, they would come in and play different, you know, they, it was just like, it was a weird, that was one of those things that, for those of us who are Gen X, for that five years that Conan. society decided that they were going to pay attention to us, yeah, from about ninety one to ninety five or ninety six, somewhere around in there, where they were like, "Oh yeah, they're a thing." Yeah, it was kind of interesting to see. Well, so- all these other like pull this weird eclectic range of music and media that we were into and try to make them mainstream and then just realizing we're never going to do it. It's just well, <laughs> I credit Conan with a lot of that. Conan, had, Conan yeah. would have all kinds of bands that you would never see on late night. Like, that was I remember seeing Slipknot on Conan when being like what the heck when Letterman moved from NBC to CBS yeah. and got you know got that 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 10:30 slot yeah. on um or eleven thirty for the East Coast on CBS. It was like listening to college rock radio. Yeah, the bands that he had come through there. It was really wild. Of just like, whoa! I can't believe they're putting a lot of these bands on television. Yeah, but it was kind of cool. Because that's again, you know, seeing Dinosaur Junior and Sonic Youth and a bunch of this stuff. You know, White Zombie and you know, Rollins Band and all this stuff. It's like these are not these are not the mainstream. Yeah, these are not mainstream stuff that you're going to see on here. Yeah, yeah just so. Pantera. I remember seeing Pantera on. Um, it had to have been Conan. Was it? It wouldn't. It have been. may have been because I don't think they would have put them on. Conan played. He 
Conan's, they probably wouldn't have put him on it at the eleven thirty. It's one of those. But Conan always actually. You know what? I think it was. John, I think it was John Stewart. Was it? John I think Stewart? it was John Stewart uh, that that Pantera played. Yeah. I know, like Slayer played on yeah. on his show. Marilyn Manson played on his show. Um, uh, Con- Concrete Blonde played on there. I mean, it was one of those things you would see, like all these, like wow, I can't believe that yeah. a lot of the, you know Megadeth played. You know, it was just like it's like all right, that's cool that they were bringing in all these outside the box yeah. bands to play. Well, you know, White Zombie being one of them. Even when Conan was got moved, <laughs> got screwed by Leno and got moved to TBS, I think he did a Halloween show and had Ghost play or something. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they was, yeah that's Conan was always kind of one of those like, well, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll put anybody on television. So, <laughs> but White Zombie, when I, I'll tell you for myself, one <laughs> one of the memories I have associated with White Zombie, yeah, is I've got it here somewhere. So, because this is this year is also the thirtieth anniversary of the video game Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Okay, I remember you talking. I love that, that game, yeah. and I've got, I think it's over there somewhere. But you know, they just did a, a re-release of it last year. You know, I'm like, okay, yeah. that's awesome. You know, that could actually get it on. You know, uh, actually play it on some other because for the longest time it was locked on the SNES and the Genesis, and that that cart was expensive. Yeah, I mean, so now that it's available, you know, it's digitally on the the eShop, you know, and different stuff like that. I actually wound up getting a uh, a physical copy of it through. Um, um, I bought uh, it while you were in Vegas or something. I was on the, getting ready to leave to go to Vegas when m- one of my friends was like, "Oh yeah, um, Limited Run Games was doing a uh, yeah it was it was that and as well as the sequel Ghoul Patrol." Literally, I'm like in the airport getting ready to leave for Vegas at like six o'clock in the morning. I'm like purchasing my copy of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yep, because uh, the thing is, is, the deadline was like that Sunday. And I was yeah. like, "Well, I better go ahead and do it now." Um, but I remember on the Sega Genesis buying that game. And playing it and loving it, but I would always listen to Les Exorcisto Devil Music Volume One while I was playing. Okay, because it was just that it was just that synergy of the time. Both those things were big at the time in yeah. my life, anyway. So I always associate those two together, as well as playing Mortal Kombat and a whole bunch. There's a lot of like sitting in front of the television playing. Yeah. Say this, like I was in college, it was my first year of college, and I was just like, okay. This is, you know, when I'm, whenever, whenever I'm not at school, I'm not hanging out with my girlfriend or I'm not at work. I was usually in front of the television playing yeah. Zombies Ate My Neighbors or Mortal Kombat or something like that. My, my memory, you remember the group that I hung around with? It was like me and Tony mm-hmm. and Aaron and Mike and Challen and yeah. all that. We'd always end up over at um, Aaron's house. Mm-hmm. And they had a basement and had a pool table, and his dad had a pretty good stereo in the basement. Mm-hmm. And that's where we would end up crashing at and listening to the radio. And it was inevitably on in the background somewhere from mm-hmm. whatever rock station. It's usually KDF. Well, that was when 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 Thunderkiss sixty five hit big. It hit big. Yeah. I mean, big. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I like this. This is awesome. Yeah. It's just different. This is something I can get into because it did. You started getting all that B horror stuff. Yeah. And that was always one of the things that and they the were talking sci- about. The old sci fi movies. Old sci fi and everything. The old you know. UFO movies. Yeah. And I know the difference between Los Exorcisto and Astro Creep 2000 is that 
when they put together Los Exorcisto, they actually used all these these samples of different movies yeah. and stuff. Actually, and then they, got, when they went to go to the second one, they figured out it's really expensive to do this because they didn't get yeah. permission for a lot of it the first time around. They wound up having to pay a lot of money well, out. There's there's like a full-on, the news broadcast from Night of the Living Dead right. is in one of the songs. Well, I think the, it's Thrust. Yeah, but the thing is, is that when they got to, to Astro Keep, yeah. They just went in and re-recorded the stuff that they wanted, rather than using the actual. That, yeah, and it was like, no, if we if we create the and we can use their, you know, the 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 lines from the movies, yeah. but if we we recreate it, we don't have to pay royalties on it. So. Yeah. <laughs> and at that point, I think you had Cherry Moon. She wasn't in there yet. You sure? She wasn't by okay. then. No, it was when he went solo that they got together. It was around the time that, they, that he was recording Hillbilly Deluxe. Oh, so she okoed him. Yeah, well, yeah. he had already. The band broke up. Okay, well, let's talk. Let's before we get to the breakup, let's go through Astro Creep. So you get through all that, and then in '95 they re- they release. Let me get the full name because it's more than just Astro Creep 2000. It is. It is the official Astro name. Creep 2000 love songs. No, songs, songs of, of love, love destruction, destruction, and other synthetic delusions of the electric head. Yeah. Okay. Again, a very white zombie name. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, the first single was More Human Than Human, and they changed. They really started going into the techno, like, industrial metal, industrial metal. type thing. You, you started to get definitely a little bit, you could tell there was some ministry. Yes, they had been there. listening to and I was like, I've, I liked it. Of course, this is also post- the downward spiral. Yeah. And so you started seeing a lot of the, the quote unquote metal bands starting to put computer stuff in, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, more of an industrial type, uh, Danzig even did it with, uh, black acid devils, you know, and yeah. that kind of stuff, well, like, which it, I really like that album, but it's, you're starting to see the beginnings of new metal. Right. Right. And you know, when Marilyn Manson did the same thing, if you yeah. go back and you listen to Marilyn Manson's portrait of American family, it's a straight ahead, hard rock metal band uh, album. Yeah. When you get to Antichrist Superstar, all of a sudden you're starting to see it's starting to move. Well, he had that become end. friends with and Trent he was, and he had and, and Reznor produced that album and yeah. everything, and so it's like yeah, but it was you starting to see that move in metal at the time in the mid '90s, and then you get his Bowie phase, with and, the and I really show. like that. Uh, um, mechanical animals. mechanical animals, I really yeah. like. That's probably my favorite album by really? them. Yeah, and it because it, it's different. It, it's just different. Yeah. So, they Astro Creep 2000 comes out, of course, like I said, by this time, John, Pente- or John Tempesta had, had joined the band. Yeah. And they had a disastrous... <laughs> they performed on the VMAs that year. Yep. And they closed out the show. And everyone got a lesson in, you better have really good monitors when you're playing with uh, electronic backing stuff because the all of the electronic drum you know all all of the 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 triggers and that kind of stuff yep they were off by about a beat (laughs) for the first half of the song it was like everything was off by a beat yep they got it together at the course <laughs> and they got the rest of it. Again, I will put link if I can find it, I'll put you and you'll be like, wow, this is bad. On the, but they got it, they they pull it together. They pull it together. But it's just like, yeah. Well, the, this is the this is what you have to worry about when you're dealing with something that's not the analog, audio mixing. You know? The audio mixing on the MTV Music Awards mm. was notoriously oh, I know. bad yeah. anyway. But this was 
you could tell that they they just got off on the wrong foot. Yeah. They pulled it together eventually. Uh, I think honestly, I think it was just the drums that was off more than anything else. Everything else was on, but the drums was not in. Tempesta was not in sync with yeah. everything, but he did pull it together. I saw them twice when they were touring on Lucky. I saw them the first time they were headlining and Filter opened for them. It was at Murphy Center. Okay. And, uh, dude, it was such a good show. I mean, it was just wow. I mean, wow. But I will say, as far as White Zombie goes, the best show that I saw with them, and partially it was because of the spectacle of it. That summer in 96, they did a co-headlining tour with Pantera. Oh, yeah. They played out at Starwood. Mm -hmm. That show was awesome <laughs> yeah. it's like wow and then and it was a pantera show where they didn't tear the seats out yeah and they you know that it was a full-on you know yeah. white zombie when i saw it, it was co-headlining so white zombie came on first and played and then pantera was the 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 second band yeah you know? and they had who was it i hate god open for them i e y you know I, yeah. eyeball hey whatever didn't care about them whatsoever but it was one of those things where again, big show. Yeah. You know, I mean, just big, huge. The thing with it, when I went when I saw them at Murphy Center, I had seats that were close to the stage, but they were elevated. Uh, they were elevated. And the last song that they did when they came back for their encore, they closed out with Blood Milk and Sky, which is one of my favorite yeah. songs by them. And they had fog machines that started. It was coming across, and it was coming across. Of course, it was never more than maybe a foot above the stage. Yeah. But it all poured off the front into where the security guards were. Yeah. And between the barricade and the stage. And so there's just this pit of fog, and you would see people crowd surfing and stuff, and they would go over in there. And just disappear. And so, yeah, and they would just disappear into the fog. And then every once in a while, you would see a head pop up, and they were like putting them off to the side. Of it. But it was just like a great visual on top of it yeah. all of like, oh, wow, these people are going off the edge into the fog, never to be seen again. You know? Nice. <laughs> but that was, that was a great, great show. Both of those were great shows. And then kinda they like, broke up. Kind of like Gore Light. I, I did see Guar back in the day as well. Uh, yeah. I've seen them a couple of times. But I hated when the band broke up. Yes. Because I did enjoy a good chunk of Rob Zombie's Hellbelly Deluxe, the first solo album that he had. Yeah. But I never enjoyed his solo stuff nearly as much as I enjoyed the band. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, although I did end up going out and buying a copy of, oh. I got I had that one. All right, I, I still have a copy of that. I didn't get the next album, but I got the one that had American Witch on it. Um, I can't remember which came out in like oh so five or oh six or something like that. Hold on, I just had it up, and I was like, all right, I enjoyed it well enough, but it just still it just did not feel like those White Zombie albums. I actually, um, I actually went out and got Educated Horses. That's the one, yeah. Educated Horses. I had American Witch on. Yeah, that, and that's that was, actually a pretty good album. Yeah, I, I, and actually, I used some of that, um, some of the music off of that for one of my student films because it was while I was in college yeah. at Western. And I really wish that they would. And the thing is, is that 
Rob Zombie and Sean Isselt and even Jay Younger have come out and said there will never be a white zombie reunion. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, uh, Isselt has gone on record as saying that she still talks to everyone in the band except for Rob. Yeah. He's the only one. Just like She's like, I haven't talked to him in years. Now, they did kind of get back together. They put out a box set, a vinyl box set that's called, it came from uh, NYC. Yeah. That's got all of their EPs. It's, it's vinyl. It's got their EPs as well as uh, Make Them Die Slowly. It's all basically all the stuff pre-Les um, Exorcist, yeah. pre-Geffen is what it is. I've been trying to get a hold of it. Cause I wish I had known when it was released back in yeah, it's like, 2016 it's like or something. Five, six hundred bucks. It's not, you can get a, a good used copy of it for 150 ish bucks or so. Really? Because the but, two yeah. I found were like, five, well, that's, people bucks. are asking that. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're, if you go, if, if you go on eBay and okay. look, there are copies that have sold for around $150. And so I'm kind of keeping an eye yeah. because I'd like to get them just. See, I, I just want the first two white zombie albums on vinyl. That's all I want is the first two. <laughs> um, what was that? Uh, sorry, I had a text from my son's mom asking me something about him that just made me laugh. Okay. Um, that first, the Los System. Yes. A few years ago, I ran across a 92 pressing yeah. of it that they were asking $200 for. That doesn't surprise me. And I've seen another one since then that they were asking even more. I, I, Again, t- all of that 90s, early 90s vinyl, early and mid-90s, it is, it's, it, it's original pressing stuff, is I, expensive as crap. I'm not in it for the for the collectability. I know. It. I, I know. want it to be able to listen to There it. are. You can get 180-gram versions of both of, of, yeah. of Le Sexo Sisto and Astro Creep. Oh, what we didn't talk about. There were two remix albums. Uh, super sexy swinging sounds, yeah. which I really enjoyed. Yeah, that one was that great. one I really liked. I didn't like the re- I can't remember the name off the top of my head. The remixes of the Astro Creep stuff. I was oh, like, I don't yeah. know. I don't need remixes of this because that stuff was already kind of remixes to begin with. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I mean it really was. But so. the the remixes, like I said, super sexy swinging sounds is actually really good. It wasn't let sleeping corpses lie. Let's see here. It must have been a Rob Zombie thing. It was... Hold on. Editing, 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 editing. <laughs> American Made Music to Strip By. That's it. American Made Music to Strip By. I remember what... Because I was working at CD Warehouse when that one was released. Because yeah. it came out after the band broke up. And I remember getting... I was like, oh, I went to listen because I really liked Super Sexy Swing. Yeah. I put that one in. I was like, and I'm not feeling this one. This no. one, I'm I'm just not into. Well, so. some of the music from the first one ended up on the original Matrix soundtrack. Oh, yeah? Yeah. For the super sexy swinging sound. Yeah. Oh, uh, what I was going to say, they did, all right, one of the cool, really cool things about White Zombie is that they, you know, they were on a bunch of soundtracks. Yeah. You know, they were on the Airhead soundtrack. Yep. They were on uh, Beavis and Butthead Experience, yep. as well as... Beavis and Butthead do America, as well as the Crow City of Angels, which which with their cover of I'm Your Boogeyman, yeah. which was really a good, good, a good cover. cover. Yeah. Uh, they were also on um they were on a couple other soundtracks. Their soundtrack stuff is just as good as yeah. their album stuff. But a lot of times soundtrack songs will just be kind of a throwaway or something. Oh yeah, we had this song that we didn't put on anything. We didn't think it was good enough for the album, so we'll throw it over there. No, their soundtrack stuff is it worth was really good. Yeah. It was. And did they have one on the crow? I can't remember. Crow City of Angels. 
Not the first it one? It wasn't on the first one, no. No. That was because the I'm Your Boogeyman was the song on yeah. Pro City of Angels. And the, again, there was a video, music video for it that Rob Zombie directed. Of course, you know, Casey and the Sunshine Band, yeah. you know, that they, they did their own industrial metal version of and did a really good job. So I miss White Zombie. I really do. I hate that they only did two major label albums you know, yeah. that, that were both really but you know at the same time I'm like hey you know what they did two really good albums and then yeah. went out on top rather than rather than putting out subpar stuff after that you know yeah um i would love to see them do a reunion i really would it's never gonna yeah, i know but y'all you know, so, well other thing sean Issel had a band I'm just, called just the famous monsters the famous monsters yeah the famous monsters that was a surf punk girl band monster band yeah and it was really cool um and it, we went no we saw them at the play at the end here in yeah, nashville back it was in 99 sean isholt it was guitarist vocalist uh bridget west who was from the new york loose mm-hmm. um and they did a. And it, there was no bass player. It was no dual guitars. It was two guitars and drums. Yeah. and that was it. And oh, who was the drummer? I remember. I seeing remember. The yeah, yeah, but but they did one full length debut album, and that's it. Called in the night, mm-hmm. and they would, and it's really cool to listen to. I mean, it's just it is. It's just like surf punk, and it's like yeah, this is I can get behind this. One dressed up as the Loch Ness monster. Right. One dressed up as the devil, and the other one dressed up like a vampire. Right. And it was devil doll, vampire, vampire girl, and the monster. Yeah, something. so I thought it was like Girlzilla or something. Gr- yeah, yeah, Girlzilla. Yeah, it, was on, it was like it was like oh, that's really cool. And they did. They had like their little. One of them was dressed in all red. One was dressed in all black. One was dressed in all green. Yeah. You know, type stuff. It's like, yeah, I, I can get down with this. This is awesome. Yeah. And it was it was a small, intimate club. It was, and it, it was the, it was at the end. Yeah, here in Nashville, it's a club here in Nashville, which is a small club. Yeah, and you know, it's like, oh, look, that's really cool. It was it was actually pretty cool. Probably the thing that I've enjoyed the most out of any of them of their so their stuff that they've done post zombie. Yeah, quite honestly, and. I wish they had, again. I wish they had done more albums. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but that's one of those like, hey, I got to see them. That was hey, awesome. And if Sean's listening, yeah. just by chance, we're in Nashville. Come by, yeah, and come visit by. anytime. Yeah, anytime. You're always welcome on the show. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, come on in. We'll talk crap oh, about. She Rob. also, you know, she had to put out a book. It was called um, "I'm in the Band." Yeah. Um, and it's kind of tour diaries of of touring with White Zombie okay. and that kind of pictures and that kind of stuff. It's not really like a an autobiography or anything it's just really it's the white zombie like yeah like i said talking about different shows and stuff that happened on the road and all that kind of stuff so i'm like all right that'd be kind of funny i've been meaning to pick it up and because that's kind of one of those you like there are a lot of tour photos that were never been released before so it's like okay i can't get this one on audio because it's probably not you know it's a more visual so, uh, but yeah, go check out some White Zombie. I think, are they available on Spotify? Yeah. I know they're available on They're very iTunes much available. In fact, even the um, the EP stuff. Yes. That's where I was listening to it earlier. Right, when, right. And I know if you go to YouTube, it. it's all on there as yeah. well, as well as, as well as our music videos. And the music videos are always fun. They're always yeah. fun. And you got to go listen to Rob Zombie before he was Rob Zombie. Yeah, it sounds so different. You would never be like, oh, that's, that's Rob Zombie. And, it's hysterical. Yeah. So. It's like, hey, it's Alvin. <laughs> not quite that bad but so guys thank you so much uh we will be back with a uh we got some other stuff we, we still have a lot to go in oktoberfest at this point uh and we will be back later this week 
with uh, another episode. Something else. Something that I know Dave is going to really, again, love. So Dave gets two like Dave gets two episodes this this Oktoberfest that are just very Dave centric. So it's <laughs> hey, I I like both of them. I know you do. So guys, thank you so much. I'm Alan Smith. I'm the no longer blind big Dave. Thanks for turning a light on, <laughs> and we will see you next time. See ya.